Part two of the staircase at the heart's delight by Anna Catherine Green. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Carolyn. Part two. As this address was the thing above all others which I most desired, I professed myself satisfied with the arrangement and proceeded to hunt up my patron as he was called informing him of the result of my visit i asked if his interest in ferreting out these criminals was strong enough to lead him to sign the vile document which the jew would probably have in readiness for him on the morrow and being told it was we separated for that day with the understanding that we were to meet the next morning at the spot chosen by the jew for the completion of his nefarious bargain being certain that i was being followed in all my movements by the agents of this adept in villainy i took care upon leaving mr l to repair to the hotel of the sporting man i was personifying making myself square with the proprietor i took up my quarters in the room of my sporting friend and the better to deceive any spy who might be lurking about i received his letters and sent out his telegrams which if they did not create confusion in the affairs of the plunger must at least have occasioned him no little work the next day promptly at ten o'clock on the following morning i met my patron at the place of rendezvous appointed by the old jew and when i tell you that this was no other than the old cemetery of which a portion is still to be seen off chatham square you will understand the uncanny nature of this whole adventure and the lurking sense there was in it of brooding death and horror the scene which in these days is disturbed by elevated railroad trains and the flapping of long lines of party-coloured clothes strung high up across the quiet tombstones was at that time one of peaceful rest in the midst of a quarter devoted to everything for which that rest is the fitting and desirable end and as we paused among the mossy stones we found it hard to realize that in a few minutes there would be standing beside us the concentrated essence of all that was evil and despicable in human nature he arrived with a smile on his countenance that completed his ugliness and would have frightened any honest man from his side at once merely glancing my way he shuffled up to my companion and leading him aside drew out a paper which he laid on a flat tombstone with a gesture significant of his desire that the other should affix to it the required signature 
meantime i stood guard and while attempting to whistle a light air was carelessly taking in the surroundings and conjecturing as best i might the reasons which had induced the old gaul to make use of this spot for his diabolical business and had about decided that it was because he was a gaul and thus felt at home among the symbols of mortality when i caught sight of two or three young fellows who were lounging on the other side of the fence these were so evidently accomplices that i wondered if the two sly boys i had engaged to stand by me through this affair had spotted them and would know enough to follow them back to their haunts a few minutes later the old rascal came sneaking towards me with a gleam of satisfaction in his half-closed eyes you are not wanted any longer he grunted the young gentleman told me to say that he could look out for himself now the young gentleman had better pay me the round fifty he promised me i grumbled in return with that sudden change from indifference to menace which i thought best calculated to further my plans and shouldering the miserable wretch aside i stepped up to my companion who was still lingering in a state of hesitation among the gravestones quick tell me the number and street which he has given you i whispered in a tone strangely in contrast with the angry and reproachful air i had assumed he was about to answer when the old fellow came sliding up behind us instantly the young man before me rose to the occasion and putting on an air of conciliation said in a soothing tone there there don't bluster do one thing more for me and i will add another fifty to those i promised you conjure up an anonymous letter you know how and send it to my father saying that if he wants to know where his son loses his hundreds he must go to the place on the dock opposite five south street some night shortly after nine it would not work with most men but it will with my father and when he has been in and out of that place and i succeed to the fortune he will leave me then i will remember you and say too a sinister voice here added in my ear that if he wishes to effect an entrance into the gambling den which his son haunts he must take the precaution of tying a bit of blue ribbon in his buttonhole it is a signal meaning business and must not be forgotten chuckled the old fellow evidently deceived at least into thinking i was really one of his own kind i answered by a wink 
and taking care to attempt no further communication with my patron i left the two as soon as possible and went back to the hotel where i dropped the sport and assumed a character and dress which enabled me to make my way undetected to the house of my young patron where for two days i lay low waiting for a suitable time in which to make my final attempt to penetrate this mystery i knew that for the adventure i was now contemplating considerable courage was required but i did not hesitate the time had come for me to show my mettle in the few communications i was able to hold with my superiors i told them of my progress and arranged with them my plan of work as we all agreed that i was about to encounter no common villainy these plans naturally partook of finesse as you will see if you follow my narrative to the end early in the evening of a cool november night i sallied forth into the streets dressed in the habiliments and wearing the guise of the wealthy old gentleman whose secret guest i had been for the last few days as he was old and portly and i young and spare his disguise had cost me no little thought and labour but assisted as i was by the darkness i had but little fear of betraying myself to any chance spy who might be upon the watch especially as mr l had a peculiar walk which in my short stay with him i had learned to imitate perfectly in the lapel of my overcoat i had tied a tag of blue ribbon and though for all i knew this was a signal devoting me to a secret and mysterious death i walked along in a buoyant condition of mind attributable no doubt to the excitement of the venture and to my desire to test my powers even at the risk of my life it was nine o'clock when i reached south street it was no new region for me nor was i ignorant of the specified drinking den on the dock to which i had been directed i remembered it as a bright spot in a mass of ship prows and bow rigging and was possessed besides of a vague consciousness that there was something odd in connection with it which had aroused my curiosity sufficiently in the past for me to have once formed the resolution of seeing it again under circumstances which would allow me to give it some attention but i never thought that the circumstances would involve my own life impossible as it is for a detective to reckon upon the future or to foresee the events into which he will be hurried by the next crime which may be reported at police headquarters there were but few persons in the street when i crossed to the heart's delight so named from the heart-shaped opening in the framework of the door through which shone a light 
inviting enough to one chilled by the keen november air and oppressed by the desolate appearance of the almost deserted street but amongst these persons i thought i recognised more than one familiar form and felt reassured as to the watch which had been set upon the house the night was dark and the river especially so but in the gloomy space beyond the dock i detected a shadow blacker than the rest which i took for the police-boat they had promised to have in readiness in case i needed rescue from the water-side otherwise the surroundings were as usual and saving the gruff singing of some drunken sailor coming from a narrow side street near by no sound disturbed the somewhat lugubrious silence of this weird and forsaken spot pausing an instant before entering i glanced up at the building which was about three stories high and endeavoured to see what there was about it which had once arrested my attention and came to the conclusion that it was its exceptional situation on the dock and the ghostly effect of the hoisting beam projecting from the upper story like a gibbet and yet this beam was common to many a warehouse in the vicinity though in none of them were there any such signs of life as proceeded from the curious mixture of sail-loft boat-shop and drinking-saloon now before me could it be that the ban of criminality was upon the house and that i had been conscious of this without being able to realize the cause of my interest not stopping to solve my sensations further i tried the door and finding it yield easily to my touch turned the knob and entered for a moment i was blinded by the smoky glare of the heated atmosphere into which i stepped but presently i was able to distinguish the vague outlines of an oyster-bar in the distance and the motionless figures of some half-dozen men whose movements had been arrested by my sudden entrance for an instant this picture remained then the drinking and card-playing were resumed and i stood as it were alone on the sanded floor near the door improving the opportunity for a closer inspection of the place i was struck by its picturesqueness it had evidently been once used as a ship chandlery and on the walls which were but partly plastered there still hung old bits of marlin rusty rings and such other evidences of former traffic as did not interfere with the present more lucrative business below there were two bars one at the right of the door and the other at the lower end of the room near a window through whose small square panes i caught a glimpse of the coloured lights of a couple of ferry-boats passing each other in midstream 
at a table near me sat two men grumbling at each other over a game of cards they were large and powerful figures in the contracted space of this long and narrow room and my heart gave a bound of joy as i recognized on them certain marks by which i was to know friend from foe in this possible den of thieves and murderers two sailors at the bar were bona fide habitues of the place and so i judged to be the one or two other specimens of waterside character whose backs i could faintly discern in one of the dim corners meantime a man was approaching me let me see if i can describe him he was about thirty and had the complexion and figure of a consumptive but his eye shone with the yellow glare of a beast of prey and in the cadaverous hollows of his ashen cheeks and amid the lines about his thin drawn lips there lay for all his conciliatory smile an expression so cold and yet so ferocious that i spotted him at once as the man to whose genius we were indebted for the new scheme of murder which i was jeopardizing my life to understand but i allowed none of the repugnance with which he inspired me to appear in my manner and greeting him with half a nod waited for him to speak his voice had a smooth quality which betrays the hypocrite has the gentleman an appointment here he asked letting his glance fall for the merest instant on the lapel of my coat i returned a decided affirmative or rather i went on with a meaning look he evidently comprehended my son has and i have made up my mind to know just what deviltry he is up to these days you see i can make it worth your while to give me the opportunity oh i see he assented with a glance at the pocket-book i had just drawn out you want a private room from which you can watch the young scapegrace i understand i understand but the private rooms are above gentlemen are not comfortable here i should say not i murmured and drew from the pocket-book a bill which i slid quietly into his hand now take me where i shall be safe i suggested and yet in full sight of the room where the young gentlemen play i wish to catch him at his tricks afterwards all will be well he finished smoothly with another glance at my blue ribbon you see i do not ask you the young gentleman's name i take your money and leave all the rest to you only don't make a scandal i pray for my house has the name of being quiet yes i thought too quiet and for an instant felt my spirits fail me but it was only for an instant 
i had friends about me and a pistol at half-cock in the pocket of my overcoat why should i fear any surprise prepared as i was for every emergency End of part two.